was taught that brave is rushing in to a building on fire, slamming my fist down and winning the discussion, right? That it was becoming a soldier. It was like this masculine, life-threatening, win-lose kind of thing. And what brave truly is, is significantly more expansive. It's far more unique. Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We will cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you are a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Nicole Trick-Steinbach is the founder of Trick-Steinbach LLC, the host of the Celebrate Brave podcast and an international bravery coach. She helps women build their bravery and shows them how to stress less and work less. After spending nearly 20 years working in tech, Nicole had become a global senior director. She spent 13 years living in Germany, traveling the world, and leading global teams across all functional areas in over 25 different countries. In 2008, even with all of her success, Nicole realized that she felt exhausted, unhappy, and alone. Through coaching, Nicole discovered how her relentless pursuit of an ever-changing definition of success was pushing away her support network, deflating her confidence, and driving her to burnout. Over the next 10 years, Nicole was able to build her own unique, gorgeous, wonderfully fulfilling life full of connection and appreciation. The key was realizing that bravery is a skill that she could intentionally develop and practice. Now she teaches women all over the world to build their own brave. Nicole's framework of clarity, momentum, and accountability helps her clients set goals and establish the mindset they need to sustain their success. Nicole coaches women to view all of their successes, mistakes, and even failures as equal stepping stones to building their brave life and career. When Nicole isn't serving her clients, you can find her reading a new book, enjoying the outdoors with her two kids, and learning with others on her own podcast. Help me welcome to the ladies who lead, Nicole. All right, I have Nicole with us here on the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm just so excited that you're joining us. This is such a treat. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I am really excited. You have some excellent other guests and I'm excited to be a part of your community. Absolutely. Well, as we kick things off, I always like to begin with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And so while you're thinking through that, I will go through mine briefly. How am I surviving? Well, This week, I've been blindsided by a few just fire drills that have just really made me a little bit unnerved. And I'm just trying to keep smiling through it, keep keeping my head down, working through some things and really trying to figure out what it is about me that just inspires me, that makes me feel like me. What is fun for SK? And that's weird because I feel like most people can tell you like instantly, like, okay, this is what I enjoy doing for fun. But I think when you get so tunnel focused, like tunnel vision, you sometimes don't slow down long enough to really look around and figure out, okay, who am I outside of work? Who am I outside of being a mom? 
Who am I outside of, you know, whatever it may be for yourself, especially in this season of go, go, go with the holidays fast approaching. It's really easy, I think, to lose sight of perspective and figuring out what fills you up as an individual, especially if you're always pouring into others. So I'm just surviving in that season of like, okay, what's next? You know, what fills me up in exchange of always pouring into others and then thriving? Well, it's obviously Christmas time at my household and I'm thriving in the season of just trying to keep all of my uh, Christmas decor hanging on the wall. (laughs) That might be more of a surviving moment, really. But my garlands don't want to stay put. In fact, I tried that really cool hack everyone's doing with like the curtain rod. It already fell. But I'm thriving through this season (laughs) and slowly trying to add Christmas into my home because it does brighten my spirit. And I think it's just Mm. a fun time of the year. What about you? Oh my gosh. I'm, I have to figure out what this hack is. I'll, I'll, it's probably on TikTok, right? Yes. Cool. Right, yes. So. Yeah. So surviving. So I'm 43 and I am deep into perimenopause. And that means I've got the headaches, the cramps, the skin stuff, the hair stuff. Oh my goodness. And so the way that I'm surviving right now is really by asking for help. So speaking of TikTok, TikTok has been the number one resource for me. Of course, I carefully choose who I'm listening to, but there's amazing doctors on there who specifically are focused on women. And then there's this incredible book called Menopause Manifesto that I'm reading right now. And it's like, oh, this is normal. Like I thought I was crazy and my body was breaking. No, 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 no. This is like a beautiful time of life. And then of course my doctor and my friends. And then thriving beyond that book, the Menopause Manifesto, I'm actually reading some young adult books right now. And it is wonderful. It is so wonderful to read a novel and know that like, yes, the themes are big. The themes are important, but I'm not going to get actively traumatized from left field with no warning. I just, the, the level of relaxation is the same as when I read, like, for example, Jane Austen, you know, it's like, Things are said, things are done, but it's not like Game of Thrones style, you know? So that's really how I'm thriving. It's just pleasurably reading about important topics without the pressure of like being real. I love that. Sometimes it's just nice to have a good, I think I'm really big into nonfiction (laughs) books and Mm -hmm. uh, all these self-help books, but it's so fun just to read a good fiction, right? Like a good adult, like... Just something to just escape, take your mind off things, wind down from the day. Like I've I've been looking for some good ones recently to to dive into. So feel free to send me any and all recommendations. Oh, and and I want I want copied on all of them because I am always looking <laughs> for them as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put them in the show notes, right? Well, let's jump in, Nicole. So please give our friends a glimpse into kind of your past and journey into your current role. Yeah, absolutely. So I love to go chronologically and just kind of hit some of the big spots. So I was born to a single mom. She had just turned 20. And that's actually really important in my story because we actually fell into poverty. There's this moment where it's really important for the growth of my entire life where I distinctly remember going through a couch for coins for food money, not play money, but like food money, right? And it was around that time that I decided if 
I ever have children, they will never have this memory. And I never want to do this when I'm in control. And so one of the things I've been really good at doing is earning money and growing in my career. And people at various points of my life have stepped in like little angels to make that possible. So for example, I was in this school, I believe it was in middle school in Appalachia. Yes, enter all your ideas there. If you haven't read Demon Copperhead, get onto that one. It's a hard read, not enjoyable read, but definitely read that one. And this woman came in and I don't remember anything other than I went to this school. I have a global career. And I was like, oh, ooh, maybe that's possible for me. So got into college. There was lots of scholarships at the time. This was in the late 90s for kids from Appalachian counties to go to school. So went up to Pittsburgh, graduated from school, moved to Germany. And in Germany is where I learned to say, well, not learned, but like really put into action. Yes, long before I was ready. Listen, I was a consultant before I knew there was a job called consultant. <laughs> From there, basically, like one of my colleagues got sick and I was, and they were like, oh, nobody else can. It was a really small office. No one else can travel up to Norway. Hello, send my popo right on up to Norway. Went up to Norway and then was introduced as a consultant. And I was like, what is the, literally, I leaned over to my boss, who's now a really good friend. And I was like, what's a consultant? He's like, you are. I'm like, oh, great. What does that do? And then from there, I just, every opportunity I had to step forward, I also really searched out. And this is a recommendation I have for every single woman who wants to lead, whether it's in a matrixed environment, a traditional environment, or in an influence environment, search out constructive improvement feedback. Because that was the feedback that created the trust for men, straight white men all over the world, because I had a global career to bring my name into rooms of power. So I was a director by 30, which in Europe is a massive deal. I was pregnant, which is an insanely massive deal. And that's also how I ended up moving back to the United States because I lived in Germany for 13 years, worked in 25 countries, went from being a secretary and a communications assistant into being a global senior director, then came back here to the United States. I live in Colorado and I did that for three years and I got to this point and I know that you've had other guests talk about this. I got to this point where I was like, you know what? I could keep doing this, but is this really what I want my children and my future self to be like, well, that was a good use of life. And it just wasn't. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to figure out my next step. Started interviewing, got offers, got into the final rounds, wasn't accepting anything, kept finding something wrong with it. And finally, one of those mentors who had given me really harsh feedback, right? He basically was like, look, you're a disaster to work with, figure it out. And I was like, I don't know how. He's like, well, here's some interventions. That was like 12 years before. So I went into coaching. That's how I discovered coaching. And he said to me when I was trying to discover what do I do with my career? He said, Nicole, you can't have another boss. You are so used to creating your own little unicorn space and making change happen. You need to do that for yourself now. I didn't believe him. It took me another year. But eventually I stepped out, founded my own company. I did consulting for a while with the cha- with the coaching, the career coaching. And for two years now, I've been exclusively career coaching. And I was recently told by one of my first clients that this is my 10th year of coaching. I forgot. I couldn't remember when I started. It was 2013 when my daughter was born. 
And so that's why I'm here in Colorado. It's why I have my own company now. It's how I had children. What I, I sum it up by saying, I learned to build my brave because I was not supposed to be in those rooms. I was not supposed to have access like that. I was not supposed to have such a clear speech pattern. I was not supposed to speak another language, but I learned to be brave. And that is what I try to now help other people do through my own podcast, but also through my coaching and speaking and things. Wow. 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 What a journey. Just jam-packed of just great, I don't know, insight in a way, because I feel like on a global stage, it's got to be that much more challenging to break into Mm -hmm. rooms. And you talk a little bit about this and you're touching on, you know, really seeking out feedback, really making sure that you're being spoke about, spoken about in like powerful rooms and at tables that maybe you don't have a seat at. What do you think about yourself was a good trait that carried not only nationally, but internationally that you felt like was, okay, this is our person that we're going to count on? It is such a good question. So a couple of things instantly came into my mind. The first one is that I truly believe there are few things we call personality traits that aren't actually skills. So I believe that bravery is a skill. I believe clarity is a skill. I believe audacity is a skill, right? We get to practice them, we get to build them. And so one of the things that I, when I talk about the skill of bravery, I talk about it in three phases. So the first one is clarity. You know what you want and you tell people. Because one of the things that breaks my heart that I know made me very successful is I didn't know not to tell people my goal. So I told people and it was only when I was at the senior manager level that somebody, a dude, a gatekeeper said to me, you're not supposed to just like tell people what your next step is. It makes them uncomfortable. I was like, well, I was old enough at the time. I was like, well, okay, I'm glad they're uncomfortable, but you'll note that I'm about to be a director at 30. So love, love and light. Right. So get real clear, tell people about it. And then the second phase is momentum. So take action, yes, and feel your feelings into success. And especially in our careers, very few of us take a beat to feel our feelings. If something doesn't feel right, it's because it's not right. So then you go back to clarity. It's not enough to just do, 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 do. In fact, I know another guest of yours has said this as well. The more senior you become, the less you need to do and the more you need to influence and guide, and delegate, and report out, right? And that requires feeling the comfortable and the uncomfortable feelings. And then the third part is accountability, deciding who you're going to become, and then becoming her. And when I can do all of those things, I can build my skill of bravery, but I also have the important brave conversations, the uncomfortable conversations. I like to call them crucial conversations. That's where we create actions plans that are based on energy. So I was just saying this to somebody recently. God bless the teachers. Okay. Blessings. Okay. Blessings. First of all, I only have two kids. I'm exhausted. Second of all, they have to show up at the same time every day. I have not done that since I was a secretary in college. Okay. So like my entire career has been built around my energy and my flow. Does that mean I'm sometimes like this morning, I was working at five o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yep. And other times I'm taking a meeting at 8 Mm p.m. 
But in between there, I'm having an, you know, a luxurious dinner. I take a nap almost every day. And I have throughout my entire career, even as an executive, I rested for at least 20 minutes a day. And I think those are the traits that really made that possible. And that I try to be as transparent and specific about as possible. So other people can identify their traits. Well, I feel seen. Thank you. Oh, oh, that, oh my God. I received that. Yes. Oh, thank you. I was just thinking about the clarity comment. I was like, yep. I was that 23 year old fresh out of college saying, yes, I will be vice president of marketing at this fortune 500 company. And I was just like, probably shouldn't really put it out there like that, but Yes, you should. A hundred percent. I was that person. And I've always continued to be that person. I like to actively think ahead and inform those who might can help get me there or help me think through why it is that I want to be there and create that action plan. Like you said, I think it's important. I've seen an interesting effect to where you do tell someone, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. this is the goal. And unfortunately, I find some people like to like do carrots where they dangle possibilities. But I think, you know, when people are sincere, when they create action plans to help you get there. Yes, yes. And and I just adore that you brought that in because I was in management, right? Like, some of my employees are now on the sea level of middle sized companies. Like I am known for really developing people off my team. I also had a matrix team. So people would roll in to create skills, build skills, and then roll out as around change management and communications. And I saw their shock when they shared a goal. First of all, often I had to pry it out of them. But when I finally got it, their shock that I was like, oh, okay, well, who do we need to talk to you? Because too many of them had the experience where a boss was like, who are you? Who are you to do that? And if you get passed over once, if you have non-action once, it can happen, especially if you're in a larger organization. If you want some sort of big investment, um, a certification or a significant pay increase or a promotion or a relocation or a project assignment, et cetera, a sabbatical, you need to be talking about that six months before that decision period begins. So if you want to be promoted in January or February, you need to be having that conversation in July or August. Okay. So if you don't get it the first time, okay, you know, maybe you were late, maybe it was unexpected, maybe whatever, maybe you didn't make it. The second time, your only response is, oh, bummer, I'm so sorry to hear that. And then you start networking into your next job. Because that's not going to change. Wise words. I like that. And to explain to those who are listening, who may not know, what is a matrix um, theme? Apologies. Yeah. So we think about it as, um, so we have the hierarchy, right? Where you have like somebody get, you know, your direct boss is Sally and Sally's direct boss is Stephanie and Stephanie's direct boss is Janet, as an example. So that is a traditional hierarchy. And we often see that in really small companies or in like hand work sort of like engineering, et cetera, those kinds of jobs, or when you're on a factory line. A matrix is that Sally is your HR boss who does all the paperwork and ensures you're getting the investment and things like that. But Stephanie, who is the colleague of Sally, is your functional leader. 
So they're assigning you the work, they're deciding if the work is complete, and they're engaging with your direct HR manager. So direct HR manager, in my opinion, loses out because they have way more people and they have to do all the paperwork and, and like decide who gets promoted and everything. And then the matrix leader, which is what I did, has significantly fewer people longer term, a lot more people rolling in and rolling out. So it's very dynamic and is influencing all of that and able to roll people in who are great and roll people out when they're finished or when they're just not thriving in that role. So that's what a matrix engagement is. It also means that you have more than one boss. So in a bad situation, you end up with like bosses who aren't connecting with each other or have a different style or a different understanding. And that can become incredibly stressful. It's also a really exciting way to do your job if you thrive and shift and change. It's not the best for people who like to have rigid expectations of self and of delivery. This is a stereotypical thing. It's not true for everyone. Marketers tend to thrive in the matrix environment, very dynamic project here, project there, project there. Data scientists for marketing tend not to love that, <laughs> right? They tend to love a little bit more structure and like one place to go with their data and with their reporting, just as an example. No, that, that's helpful. Thank you for breaking that down for those who are listening, because I'm sure there was one of those, yeah. I'm with you, girl. I'm like, ooh, slow it down for me. <laughs> now I have another question. So through your experience, you know, what does it mean to be brave and how does it differ from maybe what you were taught? So I was taught that brave is rushing in to a building on fire, slamming my fist down and winning the d discussion, right? That it was becoming a soldier. It was like this masculine, life-threatening, win-lose kind of thing. And what brave truly is, is significantly more expansive. It's far more unique. So for example, I'm thinking now of a couple of clients of mine. For one of my clients, it was working one hour less a week and then working two hours less a week and picking up her knitting and doing knitting again for the first time after 10 years. For another client, it was saying to a potential supplier, you know, I don't appreciate how you speak with me. And if you'd like to make money off of this, you're going to have to change how you speak with me. Right? That moment of bravery. For a different client, it was a complete relocation. So moving from her home country to a completely different language and culture, et cetera, so that her child could get the kind of schooling that that child specifically needed. So it's way more expansive and it's way more unique. And that's why I am not a group coach. I don't run a program. I don't have a curricula. I have a ton of recordings for my clients, but I'm a one-on-one -on -one coach because I don't know what your brave is. I hope that you do. And if not, we're going to figure it out together. But once we know that, how you get there is how you get there, not how I get there. I love to quote Glennon Doyle on this one. 
um, in one of her books, Untamed, she has a child who is facing an expectation from a family member. And the child doesn't want to meet that expectation. And Glennon says, you know what? Being brave is disappointing everyone else, but not yourself. And so for a lot of the times, it starts off with, what is my no? And what is my yes? That's profound and, and really powerful. And I'm over here racking my brain trying to figure out my brave. So. Yeah, right? It's fascinating, isn't it? So I do get my clients together into a group call at least once a month. Every time that I get my clients together in a group, I do the exercise too. Because sometimes I don't know what my brave is. Sometimes I don't know what my no is or what my yes is. I don't know how my mindset is holding me back. So I like, yes, you and me, same boat. Hey there, coffee lovers. Are you ready to elevate your morning routine? Well, look no further than the Bava Java Coffee Variety Box. Inside this box, you will find an assortment of hand-selected specialty coffee beans from different regions, carefully chosen for their flavor notes and profiles. From the bold and robust to the smooth and mellow, every sip delivers a taste that will leave you craving more. So, whether you're an espresso connoisseur a latte lover, a coffee enthusiast, or just trying to jumpstart your morning, Bava Java Coffee has something for you. This variety box provides a month's worth of coffee. It also makes for the perfect gift for that person in your life who is hard to buy for this holiday season. Ready to elevate your coffee experience? Head over to bavajavacoffee.com and use the code SK20 for an exclusive 20% off your variety box. Many of us kind of face unseen challenges within our own mind, right? And you talked a little bit about mindset just now. You've expressed that you know what it's like to be thriving on the outside while struggling on the inside. Kind of what was your experience like during this season and how did you pull yourself out of it? Okay, so specifically I had, I was, um, base salary was over 200,000. I lived in a beautiful home, married, two kids who were healthy. Um, I was running. I'm tall. I have a good amount of pretty privilege. I'm also a white woman, right? And on the outside, everything looked, oh, I even had a new car. I'd been to like, I I think at that point in time, I'd been in like, I don't know, 30 countries or something total. And I was crying every single day. Every day I was crying. There were times that we were utilizing teams at the company I was with at the time. And I would be like, I don't know why my video is not going on. So strange. What's wrong? I'll have to talk to IT. Because I was crying through meetings, virtual meetings. So I really, really understand what that looks like. People are like, but everything's great. You have everything you want. And I'm deeply miserable. And so The way I really sum that up is I invested in myself, not myself as I was at that moment, but, and who I wanted to become. So coaching, therapy, friends, I took a month off of work, which I understand is very privileged, but I had that privilege. And so I took it and I actually really want us all to have that. And, and this is going to sound so funny. But you know what made the biggest, the biggest difference, like in the, in that moment 
is I bought myself new socks and new underwear and even two new bras just because that is just for me. Nobody knows, right? But that tiny amount of investment in that moment made such a big difference. And it's not something flashy, like a a gorgeous new bag or beautiful shoes or something. It was for me, like me telling me, I get to actually do more than survive and cry through meetings. Which by the way, SK, I really thought no one knew that that was happening. And I learned a few years later that everybody knew that was happening. Oh, wow. So Mm -hmm. you thought it was only within yourself, but it had trickled out into, wow. How did you find that out? Oh, um, so this was in Germany and I moved to the States, but I go back to Germany regularly and we were sitting around and we had had a number of drinks and suddenly one of my former colleagues and friends goes, do you guys remember? And I was like, why did none of you offer to help me? Or like say, hey, we know you're crying every day. (laughs) What is happening? Right. But we like to pretend, and I still am guilty of this. I'm sure you've done this as well, um, of pretending that like how I feel doesn't come through and how I act, but it does. That's why it's so important for us to take care of ourselves. So true. I can tell like right before Thanksgiving, I had just like hit a wall and I can tell probably (laughs) everyone on my team knew this because I was trying so hard to keep it together. But like Mm -hmm. everything about me was just not me. And and then I took a few days, like consecutive days off for Thanksgiving. And I literally came back and I was like, I feel like a different person. And I was like, this is what happens when you don't call it soon enough take that time. Like there's probably a window of time where you can be on as much as possible. And then you kind of take a break. Your body needs rest, unplug. And so that, that was like the first like consecutive days off that I wasn't actively doing something for either someone else or fulfilling an Mm -hmm. obligation. And so it was just really nice. That is so important. Well done. Well done. And keep doing that, man. And inspiring the rest of us to do it too, man. You need rest. You do. Why is bravery key to career success and a fulfilling life? You touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd love to kind of hear more about that. And this is literally what I do with my clients, right? Like this to me is the make or break. If we want to call it mindset, if we want to call it skill building, whatever the case may be, you are more important than anybody's strategy. And anybody's KPI and anybody's bonus structure and anybody's ego. And believing that right there is already insanely brave in today's society. It, it, I can't think of something more brave than to truly believe in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in our bodies, in our souls. I am worthy when we have so many messages and and thank God for the younger generations, like this Victoria's secret song. I know Victoria's secret. He's a dude in Ohio. Like I lived in Ohio. It was so toxic, but we have so many messages every single day that we aren't worthy. And if we are brave enough to do the work, the very uncomfortable work to shift that and know that we're more important than everything else, that freedom leads to more opportunity. 
I get a lot of pushback for this one, but I know it's true. The less we stress, right? And we're only going to do that if we're truly who we are and ask for what we need and take actions and feel and become who we want to become, right? Then we stop overworking or overwork less because none of us are perfect. I overwork still too. And then we earn more. When I started saying no at work, which is brave. Oh my God, so brave. That's when I started making way more money. Quality goes up, intention goes up, creativity goes up, and then the money goes up in that order. Yeah, that is brave. And, you know, how do you build your own bravery? And like, what are some tangible ways that those listening can grow in confidence? Well, first, I really want you to get a community. We are currently in a space. This is true around the entire world, but it's especially true in the United States. The United States has this all but gotten rid of third areas, right? So we have the workspace, we have the private space. Where can we go without spending money? The library? Okay, right? So it, you know, belonging to clubs has gone down a lot. Belonging to volunteer organizations has gone down a lot. And I'm not saying do those. I'm just saying those are metrics that have been tracked for American society. Get a community. If it's a book club, if it's a knitting club, if it's a running club, if it's a women in tech group, whatever it is, I really want you to get some community, right? Dear listener, please get some community. That is so concrete for your confidence. That's my nice, nice message. My challenging message is please go fail and fail a lot and then get up one more time. So fail, whatever. 77 times, stand up 78. I believe we've been conditioned that confidence is something we have or something we don't have. And it comes from within. And I sort of agree that it comes from within, but it comes from within because we stand back up. It's the action that creates the confidence. And as someone who's been laid off five times, been laid off five times. I've been fired twice. I've been dumped. I don't even know how many times. Let's be real. I've been told no way more than I've been told yes. I run my own business. Like I'm told no essentially every day. I fail consistently. And then I stand back up. And one of the reasons I'm so confident is because I know I'm just going to stand back up. I might lay there for a little bit, but I am standing back up. I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody questions that, you've shared such gorgeous stories on other episodes that they should go back and and get that inspiration. Oh, absolutely. Failing forward. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's an episode. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you kind of break the cycle of financial struggle? You you mentioned a little bit about your childhood and not wanting that for yourself or your family. What, What changed for you? love to tell you and the American audience that it's because I worked hard and I was frugal and I said yes. And while that is true, I moved to Germany. I mean, that is the number one thing. And the United States, I think it's something like 70% of our population is one emergency away from having no savings and being in even more debt. 
And in Germany, they push you right on up into security and then they like padlock the door. And then like in those cartoons from the 80s, they put planks across the door and they nail it shut and then they weld it. And it's things like universal health care. So I was in the hospital for two years after I gave birth with my for two weeks, not two years. Oh, my gosh, it felt like two years, two weeks. Um, I almost died. I was in septic shock. My daughter was there with me as well. And we walked out and they handed us an envelope and my little brain went, oh, okay, a bill. Nope. It was a hand signed card from all the nurses explaining how wonderful we had been and that they were so grateful they got to help us. Right. And so all of that potential debt just never happened. Right. The times that I got laid off, there are workers' rights. I think I think it's something like 80% of the population that works is unionized. So I got a proper severance, not two weeks. I had a proper severance. Housing is subsidized, food is subsidized, like all of these things. So you earn significantly less, like less than half, but you have more free money to put into your pension, to put into, if you happen to have debt, to save up to buy property or to buy a car or whatever that may be. And I know that a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I love to think of it now that I live back in the United States as like inspiration. Because if that system has been created off of actually what was in the United States before the late 70s, if that is possible, that is possible. We can create that for each other. So that's how... Yeah. And, and also furthering into your own business and yeah, um, keeping moving with that. I mean, that's, uh, that's not for the faint of heart is to, to go into business. So good for you for, for doing yeah. that and, and getting back up and, and keeping on keeping, you know? Thank you. Yeah. So what advice would you give to your 20 something, 30 something and women who are in their forties and how might that advice differ from each of those kind of decades? So I am the bossy older sister, and this was so difficult to prepare for. I'm just going to tell you because I had a million things that I wanted. Um, and it came down to do less in my twenties, do less. You do not need to do other people's jobs. And what you do, do it exceptionally well. So in my 20s, this was the time of Blackberries. The iPhone did not exist yet. And I was a global consultant. I did not even count flight time. And I was billing 60, 65, 70 hours a week. So do less. I was exhausted. I made really silly mistakes. Do less. For my 30s, you deserve to be believed. Because I've just figured that out in my 40s, that my lived experience and my viewpoint is valuable and deserves to be believed. And for my 40s, oh my gosh, buckle in. Because I thought that my middle schooler was moody. Perimenopause. You don't know what moody is yet. And I'm only 43, so I maybe I'll change it as we go on, but there were some really core decisions that I made in my thirties, not yet believing in my worth and believing that I deserve to be believed that goodness gracious, if I could give that to myself, that is what I would do. 
of course, like invest your money, work, work only, you know, I discovered I was 30,000 euro underpaid and I would probably handle that differently now, but I'm so proud of how I handled it at the time, which basically I got up, walked over to my manager and was like, what? Absolutely not. Fix it. Right. But yeah, do less, do less in my twenties and my thirties. You deserve to be believed. And forties is like buckle in. That's great advice. And my, one of my favorite questions to ask, and I think it's really great to hear from different ladies who come from all different backgrounds because every answer is different. And I love that. How do you define success for yourself? Two things can be true at the same time, and they are laughter and quiet. You know, I've traveled a lot. I have traveled a lot. And I have sat in places that made me realize that my American poverty was definitely poverty. Okay. I'm not taking that away from myself. There's no comparative suffering. And I had certain things that other people do not have. But you know what I didn't have? Laughter. What a beautiful thing. A laugh. Right. And then. I know that I am in my own success when I can be quiet, when I don't need to fill every second, when I can sit with myself or lay with myself or walk with myself in silence and quiet and not be overwhelmed by the desire to scream or cry or reach out to someone or listen to podcasts. There's a quiet. And so that is my, my answer. Laughter and quiet. Well said. No, I think that's very well said. And those are not always easy things for some people, you know, but that I think is a great definition of success. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. It has been a real treat getting to hear from you and learn from you and just getting to know you. Like, I feel like don't be a stranger. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> thank um, you. Before we wrap up though, what is your shameless plug? How can our friends find you online? Okay. So find me online is uh, LinkedIn. Uh, my website is trick Steinbach. That's my last name.com. Nicole Steinbach is a dime a dozen in Germany, but Nicole Trick Steinbach, it's only me. I also have a podcast, Celebrate Brave. We really focus on building the skill of bravery for your career. Most people who listen to it identify as women in STEM. We'd love to have you over there. And then I actually, because I so deeply believe in working less, I have an offer. It's free. This is a free download. You can go onto my website. It says work less. I'll send the link as well. You can download it. It's a video where I teach you how. I don't just tell you why. Teach you how. And there's a workbook. It's editable. You can print it out or you can work on your computer to take you through one situation so that you can work less. And I think there's like 70, as we're recording this, I think there's like 70 people who have utilized it. I've gotten feedback from well over half of them. And it's everything from, I'm still working the same amount, but I'm stressing less, or I'm working one hour, two hour, three hours less a week. I don't know about you, but I think that's exciting. Or like, hey, I finally had that conversation with my boss and this is never going to get fixed. 
So I'm networking. I'm out looking for a new job. I truly believe that women who are stressing less and working less and then begin to create money is one of the most powerful levers we have for societal change. Research has shown us since the 1800s that when women have money, we are in between three and seven times, depending on where we are in the world, three and seven times more likely to invest in the society where we live, in the community in positive ways. We are the gender who brings the money in so that we can all thrive. So I want you listening to this right now. I want you to have that freedom to invest in yourself, in your family and in your community. So definitely go if this speaks to you in any way, shape or form, download it, benefit from it and make the world a little bit better. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. And I've just really enjoyed getting to speak with you and yeah, check it out. She's got a great podcast. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the ladies who lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the ladies who lead podcast. Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the ladies who lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.